This episode of Babbling and Dabbling is brought to you by our friend Graham, host of the One Graham Army podcast. You can find One Graham Army wherever you already get your podcasts from. Let's hear from him right now, actually. In an incredibly divided world, one thing we can all agree on is that there just aren't enough podcasts. The One Graham Army podcast satiates the public's need by being a podcast. Hello, I'm Graham, host of the One Graham Army podcast. You can find One Graham Army wherever you listen to podcasts. Breaking news, celebrity interviews, and the latest in tech and technology. Who needs that shit? All you need to know is fuck dolphins, farts are funny, and libertarianism is a pipe dream that eventually leads to capitalism anyway and would only work if you lived on an island with 50 people that no one else knew about it's the one gram army podcast subscribe now this episode of babbling and dabbling is also sponsored by our friends over at the cook shop the cook shop is located in beautiful megan georgia it's owned by andreas cook who you might remember from a previous episode of babbling and dabbling let's check in with him and see what he's got to say Research has shown that a diet with a proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids, such as in hemp oil, may help delay or reduce the neurological effects of these diseases and improve quality of life. Has the government really been lying to us all this time? Do you suffer from depression, anxiety, anxiousness? Do you seem like you're really on edge with your prescription medication? Might want to try an alternative. CBD-based products. You can find those at dot. Cook dot shop. Or you can give them a call. 478-250-1244. Why don't you pick an alternative to healthy living? Uh, welcome to the show, this is Babbling and Dabbling, you already know we a podcast Yeah, we babbling and dabbling, podcast Yeah, we babbling and dabbling, babbling and dabbling, babbling and dabbling uh. Uh, Welcome to the show, this is Babbling and Dabbling, you already know we a podcast Yeah, we babbling and dabbling, podcast Yeah, we babbling and dabbling, babbling and dabbling, babbling and dabbling Uh all right, and we are back with another episode of Babbling and Dabbling. That's right, 52. You guys haven't been able to kill us just yet. If you've been trying, you suck at your job. Quit it. Um, but you know what you should never quit doing? It's being motherfucking free. And that's the theme of this episode. Yep. Episode 52, that is. By the way, in case I haven't mentioned it twice already. Yeah, we're really getting up there. The amount of episodes are real now. Sticking with you guys, or maybe you guys have been sticking with us. I don't know. One of those two. However that goes. <laughs> Thank you for being here for this wild and crazy ride. But it's about to get motherfucking wilder and crazier. There's a spike in the wildness. <laughs> There's a little bit of echo from that. Just a little bit. I'm a little turnt. <laughs> but I'm going to get my shit off today. Because can't nobody tell me nothing no more, Scott. We interviewed the future vice president. Hopefully. Future Vice President! Okay. <laughs> We're going to speak it into existence. Spike Cohen. That's what I'm talking about. Libertarian Party, Vice Presidential Candidate, Spike Cohen, running mates, running mate for Joe Jorgensen. 
Dr. Joe Jorgensen. I keep forgetting to say doctor, yeah, but that's important. Doctor. Yeah, what, what, she chopped liver. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't just go. You don't just go to a fucking fast food restaurant and say, "Let me get a pepper." You say, "Let me get a doctor pepper." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For, well, yeah, exactly. Terrible that's exact, analogy. That's the exact reason. <laughs> you know, Doctor Pepper didn't waste his hard-earned time. <laughs> hard-earned time. <laughs> this is what you come to babbling and dabbling for. For me to say stupid shit. And then when Scott says stupid shit, I make fun of him for being stupid. Act like I'm never stupid. <laughs> <sighs> so this is it. Okay, we just a little disclaimer. We recorded this part of the show after the interview because we are terrible with time management. Well, no, I think that means we're good with time management. We wanted to be able to be available immediately without any <clears throat> hiccups. We wanted to get this to you guys properly. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. That's the story I'm That's Scott's with. way of churching it up. If you want to hear people churching things up, answering like a politician, this is the episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> but we had a good time with him, man. Um, it was just a phone call, which is cool to me, regardless. Would have been Very a lot COVID cooler. friendly. Very COVID friendly. That's right. Quarantine special, baby. I forgot. Uh, if you guys do listen to this later on, I forgot to tell Spike Cohen this hashtag I came up with with them for their campaign. Hashtag JoeCo2020. Jorgensen Cohen, J-O-C-O 2020. That's right. Round of applause for myself, because I'm that douchebag. <laughs> I got you. All right. Um, we're going to get into these pluggity plugs like we do about this time. It just seems so quiet. Like, like just a second ago before we were recording, yeah, it seemed louder. Turn it up just a tiny <laughs> Just a smidge. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. Yeah, I like that. That right there. Okay. That works for okay, me. Okay, now you're feeling the jazz in your soul. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you oh. know who made this jazz in your soul? That's right. Me. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so, again, you're at Babylon and Dablin. And we would like you to be on our social medias. Those social medias are Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We have been advised that we need to get a TikTok, so please weigh in anywhere that you want to talk to us if you would like to see us do TikTok. As of right now, we do not have TikTok, but maybe we could. That's what America's built on, right? TikTok. Not like the the ability to demand things and have it supplied to you. Definitely not that. (laughs) All right, so you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at... uh, Damn it, I almost said my plugs. Babbling Dabbling. <laughs> B-A-B-B-L-I-N. D-A-B-B-L-I-N. That's right. And if you'd like to go see me, which apparently I want you to go see me even more than I want you to see the podcast. Not true, but Freudian slip or whatever the hell that thing's called. Freudian slip? Freudian? We'll get into that after. That's, okay. that's not how that's pronounced? I have no idea. I don't know. In my mind, that's always how it's been. Anyway, me. Right. Dflamingo187. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, also, my music page on Facebook, 91cam187. Scott, where can they find you, and what do you do? If you guys want to keep up with my electronic music, I make Wave and Witch House music or somewhere in that area. You can find me at soundcloud.com slash hazardwave, spelled H-A-Z-A-R-D-W-A-V-E. Links to my other socials are there. Pick up my album, Calamity Cafe, on uh, all platforms or stream it on Spotify. And uh, we also have a virtual show coming up on August 8th. With some big headliners like Sidewalks and Skeletons and Brothel, you guys aren't going to want to miss it. Not we as in Babylon Dablin. Well, yeah, just we me. as in. <laughs> me. And uh, to be announced, we do have another show coming up for a different uh, 
a different label. Some other guys are running that's gonna be, I'm going to be doing in late August as well, and I'll keep you guys updated on that. Nice. Um, I feel like we might be forgetting something. We got merch. Oh, shit. That's what I'm it is. I'm wearing it right now, baby. Oh, fuck yeah, you are. We should put a picture of that on Instagram. No. <laughs> okay, okay. We can. It's fine. I just uh, don't like yeah. the way I look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's right. We have merchandise. Merch and ice. We do not sell ice. Please do not. If you see online shipping for ice, probably not a good deal. It's going to be water by the time it gets to you. Don't buy ice online. Unless it's... Never mind. Uh, anyway, teespring.com slash stores slash babbling dabbling. You can go there and you can get you some dope-ass drip. We have pretty much everything you need there. Yeah. We have shirts. We oh, have hoodies. Check, check. We have all of it. I mean, we have, we have underwear. Shirts. We should. Not yet, but we Shit. are working on that. All right. Uh, we also have pillows. <laughs> we also have like little throw pillows for the couch. We also have coffee mugs. Everyone drinks coffee, right? Sure. It's a nice paperweight if you don't. Exactly. It's And people that come over to your house and they see like... That song ends so abruptly. Yeah, I know. I like it. <laughs> Wish my life would end abruptly. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> if you have babbling and dabbling merchandise, people that come over and they're going to see it, they're going to be like, wow, dude, this guy gets it. This guy definitely fucks. <laughs> or, or I mean, girl. if you saw how I looked right now, then you know that statement would make total sense. Yeah. But you don't have to see Scott to know that it makes total sense. You can have it in your home, experience it firsthand. And when it increases your sex life, no guarantees made, you will thank us. And you will be like, you know what? The amount of money that I spent in this... It's like a drop in the bucket now, dude. My life has improved greatly. Matter of fact, don't vote libertarian like this episode is going to tell you to do. Vote socialist. Have tax dollars diverted directly to your bank account. Buy some babbling and dabbling gear with that. <laughs> <laughs> whatever gets, whatever gets, you know. We need to secure the bag the, yeah. more than Spike Cohen needs to secure the vice presidency, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't stand by any of that, but okay. <laughs> They're going to hate me when they get this link later on. <laughs> nah, um, in all seriousness, yeah, it was a really good episode. Uh, Spike was on the road in Ohio. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I was trying to write life. That was a good episode. <laughs> I was trying to wipe some dirt off the fucking thing and it sounded bad. <laughs> We're so professional. This is why this we is get the to interview. Content that you guys come for. This is why we get to interview future vice presidents. That's why, right there, slip ups like that. So you don't let anybody tell you your dream's stupid. You can let them tell you that we're stupid. And they're right, but we're successful. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag hashtag yeah. successfully stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm in my bag tonight. People can't tell me shit just because my car won't leave third gear. I still got to interview Spike Cohen. <laughs> he ain't gonna bring me down, universe. I've been very depressed lately, actually. You're on something today, man. I'm on one, boy, because guess what? We interviewed the motherfucking future vice president. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was. What was your favorite part? I'm gonna My put you on the part spot. was probably the uh, Vito or Nito. I enjoyed that little segment. At the end. Yeah, that was, that was fun. And if you guys want to know what that is, don't, don't stop leave. listening. Yeah, just <laughs> stay don't here. Don't stop listening. Oh, I like that. Mm. Don't stop babbling. Mm-hmm. Hold on to else. the Dublin <laughs> podcast listener. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, don't God. 
Someone lay a beat over that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a good one. Um, he did. He had a he had a good way of answering questions, with and he like really broke it down, mm-hmm. like more than we expected. <laughs> <laughs> and there was so much more to talk about, man. But uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll come back again. Maybe we'll get Joe on. Who knows? Spike, come back, man. I'm, I'm a. I got your phone number, dude. I'll call you. No, I won't. But please come back. Yeah. <laughs> I'll text. I'll text Brian, who will text you. <laughs> what about Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Matt is just the co-host of okay. Muddy Waters Media. I know the feeling. I'm also just the co-host. I was listening to their podcast, and actually, Matt started the show, I think, and then oh, really? Spike joined later on. And then kind of took it over. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just <laughs> like the Libertarian Party is going to do to the political system this year. What? Take it over, boy. <laughs> we don't have that pound sound pad. Uh, we, why haven't we had that sound pad yet? Because we suck at our jobs. Oh, well, that wasn't it. That's not, that's not uh, even close. That was the violent gag. Oh. Well, without further ado, should we go ahead and play the clip? The interview? Yeah. For the listeners? It's a very long clip. You got anything else? Yeah, it is a really long <laughs> clip. That's <laughs> the rest of the episode clip. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good one. Uh, also, we had to let him go, so we didn't get to outro the episode like normal. So I'm going to outro before the end of the show. Doesn't make any sense. But I thought he outroed it. He said the end no, of the Well, our normal, you know, hey, we love you guys. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. So, hey, we love you guys and stuff. Yeah, seriously, like, if you've ever, like, shared our episodes or listened or gave us feedback of any kind or bought our merch, we really appreciate all of you. Yeah. A lot. You guys are the reason I haven't killed myself, unlike my dad who did kill himself. I was waiting There's for There's one. It. I didn't get to do it with Spike. Had to do it now. I was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, after this episode, ended, I was going to go, man, you actually want a whole episode. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Oh, man. I should have done the ad reads like that. This episode of Babylon and Dablin is brought to you by Not My Dead Dad. Maybe you should. I think it's good that it worked out like this. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's it. Let's get into the interview with Spike Cohen. Hopefully you guys enjoy this. Uh, as always, if you're a first-time listener, which I have a feeling a lot of you will be this episode, <laughs> welcome. We are insane, and you have proof of that just from a few minutes ago. Me mainly. <laughs> Camden. I don't want to take my boy Scott down with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just co-host. Don't sign me. You know, don't co-sign me. <laughs> uh, if you are a return listener, thank you for coming back. As always, we love, we love it. And uh, also, I love you. Anchor voice messages. We <laughs> thought maybe this would draw you in for those. It did not. Nobody left voice messages. Still, I know. We're, we're waiting on them. <laughs> Look, we we're out here giving our hearts to you guys. We're in our heart on our sleeves, and you just like not literally. <laughs> Wearing, wearing ourselves off. Well, Scott, wearing Scott's Babylon wearing us yeah. right now. Okay, anyway, let's let's end this. I'm dragging it out too far. Spike Cohen do it. coming in right now. All right, and we're back on the phone with us. Libertarian Party vice presidential candidate, Spike motherfucking Cohen. I have a round of applause button somewhere in here. There it goes. There we go. <laughs> All right, Spike, how are you doing today, hey, man? Guys. I'm doing fantastic. That is the, uh, that's the best intro. Well, to be fair, it's the only interview I've had yesterday, but it's definitely the best intro I've had today. All right. That's awesome. All right. We'll take it. Win by default, whatever. Still a win. Still a W in the books. (laughs) 
All right, so uh, I've, I've listened to your podcast, Muddied Waters. Um, I'm going to take a page out of Matt's book, your co-host. Give you a rapper name. Jew Chains. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, and I guarantee you. So if I know Matt, you just he's going to get pissed off when he hears this. Because... <laughs> That there's no way that that isn't one of the the ones that's on there. Jew chains, I love it. I love it. Yeah, because I heard I heard one. He did like a whole list of them. It was like Jew Pock, little Juicy Vert, Jew Tang Clan. I was like, yep. oh, shit. Juicy, yeah, Juicy, Doctor Dreidel, and then my favorite one, and then my favorite one is just Drake, and I. <laughs> that's my favorite because it's like if you don't know Drake's not. Uh, if you don't know Drake's Jewish, then that's not very funny. But if you do, then it's hilarious. So, well, I was able yeah, to piece, no, those the, are, uh, piece it together. <laughs> in, the, in the times, because every once in a while, and, and, and you guys know, I don't know, but uh, we've been doing the show for years now. And there are times, it's a live show. Uh, there are times where I just don't feel like doing it. And, you know, it's like, ah. And usually, you know, when, once we're in the show, I'm, I'm having a great time. But the one thing when I'm like, uh, you know, when I'm, when I, doing the show i'm tired you know i i i'd rather just go to bed or or you know yeah or i'm hungry or whatever and i'll and i'll say to myself you have to find out what your jewish rap name is for the evening <laughs> and uh that always that that alone always just gets me uh my interest peaked enough where i'm like all right fine i'll do the show and then obviously once i'm doing it i'm, I'm having a blast but well there you go man we can keep your spirit of muddy waters alive on babbling and dabbling for you <laughs> And also, if you're a listener, go check out Muddied Waters Media. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I've been wondering, kind of want to just like show you off as a person before we get into like, you know, what the Libertarian Party means and like why you think people should be, you know, voting Libertarian and your policies and all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, as we, we might have just broke it wide open for people. Uh, you're obviously Jewish. <laughs> yes, that's what we, we, we went the lead right off the bat. I'm Jewish. Um, <laughs> no, so I am a, uh, I'm a small business owner. I have been, uh, I started a web design company uh, back when I was a teenager in 1999. And uh, I grew into a pretty successful company. Uh, and then three years ago, I, uh, I decided to uh, retire from my company and, um, and work full time on libertarian messaging, and that's what I've been doing so far ever since then. I, I do my my podcasting. I do the, my my shows, my fellow Americans, and uh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom, which is what you were just referencing with my co-host and uh, heterosexual life partner Matt Wright. And uh, and I, we do our we do that every uh, Tuesday night. My shows are on most Tuesday nights with my with my campaign um, scheduled the way it is. I haven't been doing my show as often. Uh, probably probably twice a month now I do my show uh, on Wednesday nights and um and uh back in November uh Vermin Supreme and his team uh, asked me to uh to be on his uh to, to run as his prospective running mate and so uh, I announced in December that I was running and then in May I uh, after a, a pretty spirited contest between me and some of my biggest uh heroes in the Libertarian Party John and Ken Armstrong and Larry Sharp uh, and and others. We uh, we uh, I, I won the the nomination on May twenty fourth, and ever since then I've been running with uh, my running mate Joe Jorgensen, and we're running to uh, set uh, America free in our time. 
And uh, what else? The personal stuff about me. I mean, I usually try to lead with being Jewish. We already did that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we jumped the gun. See, uh, I, yeah, jumped the gun on that. I usually say like, and I'm Jewish. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, so uh, uh, so what else? Uh, I have a, a lovely, beautiful wife who is way hotter than me, and uh, it's funny because I take her to these events, and even though now you know I'm dressed up nice, I'm the you know the vice presidential candidate, and everyone's like, oh wow, you look great, and my wife shows up, and they're like, you're a troll, and I'm like, no, stop looking at my wife, just look at me, just look at me. Everyone thought I looked great, and my wife got. It. Um, but no, she's fantastic. I love. She's the love of my life. I love her very much, and. Uh, we are very uh, active and avid uh, Latin dancers, like salsa dancing, and uh, and I, I unironically like long walks on the beach, which I, I take on a regular basis. I live just a few few blocks from the ocean, so I actually do like walks on the beach, and I, I resent that that has become a joke for some reason. Yeah, I think everyone would enjoy a long one, a long walk on the beach. I'm a I'm a little impartial to it because I, I weigh too much, but whenever I'm in shape, I do love a long walk. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's good. It's it's good. And it's the beach, and uh, you know, if you get tired, you can just you can just lie down right there because no one thinks you're like. You know, usually, if you're walking and you lie, you just like I can't start. I can't keep walking. And you lie down, and people are like, "What a lazy piece of garbage." But if you're at the beach and you're like, "Man, I can't do this anymore," and you lie down, people are like, "Oh, he's having a good time at the beach." Oh yeah, just, it seems like it's natural right, yeah. for you to be lying down at the beach. It's nice. Get to take a little nap as you walk. Hashtag life hack right there. <laughs> all right so your wife did she did she take your last name she's mrs cohen she is she did she took my last name i honestly like i get you know people say and people will say she'll, they'll meet her and first of all she's so beautiful that when people see her they expect often that she's going to be like really stuck up and like she looks like the kind of person i, I shouldn't say she doesn't look it's just so beautiful that you expect that she's going to be kind of, you know, full of herself. She's not. She's the opposite of that. She's like the most grace, gracious and kind and caring person that you'll ever meet. And so people are blown away by this human being. And then they look at me and they're like, what is she under? Like, how did you marry to her? And I'm like, listen, I, I, none of my answers are safe for work. So I can't, I can't answer, you know, in, in, in a way that you can yeah. say to the, to the children. I'm able to keep her, but uh, no, she's, she is, she's, uh, take my last name. Yeah. Right on. Um, so you just mentioned safe for work. Our podcast is the complete opposite of that. So are we like, <laughs> is it cool to just go like we normally go or do we need to reel it in a bit? <laughs> oh no, no, we can go like we normally go. All I right. Good. Say, Thank you. My answer, my answer to that question isn't necessarily safe for this campaign or the internet. It's not cheap for anyone to know that. Now that we're on the NSFW side of things, when it's time for you and Mrs. Cohen right, right. to get that fuck on, what kind of music y'all play? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh, right, yeah. Hey, yeah, again, so that would be a perfect okay. example of, of not safe for the campaign, yeah. <laughs> All right, so if you just tell me I got to edit that out of the audio later, I'll go back and do that. But. <laughs> I don't have to edit it out. I just won't answer it. <laughs> All right, plead the fifth. <laughs> there we go. All right, so my co-host, Scott, he's a... Uh, He's really hung up on the fact that you're a brony, so we just got to rip that not, Band-Aid what? right up. <laughs> he just threw me right under the bus. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, let's well, – okay. I'll, we'll, we'll, I'm glad we're unpacking the real scandals early. So, here's the thing. 
I say that I am essentially the original Brony because I don't think that there was anyone thinking about My Little Pony that hard in 1985, right? Like it was just kids that really liked it. I don't think anyone was like giving themselves, naming themselves after MLP characters, right? So, so I, which I did, and and people can judge whether that was like just a moment of me showing that I was the most libertarian person on earth to rename myself at the age of three or whether there was an actual like psychological issue there. I was, I actually was seen by child behavioralists who determined that I was fine. I was just very strong willed and it was probably best to go ahead and let me call myself like, and eventually I get over it and I'm now 38. Uh, but the, the, so maybe, maybe we'll eventually get over it. But, uh, so I, it, it's interesting because I, shortly after that, maybe a few couple of years later, uh, by the time I was like six or seven, I really wasn't into my little. So it's, and, and it breaks the hearts of, of bronies and, and furries the world over when they hear that, you know, even though I may have been the original brony, I, I kind of strayed off the path and didn't follow it. And, um, and, uh, you know, so now people, I get so many inbox messages from people that are like, who, you know, what's your favorite episode of, of, of friendship is magic and my and I'm like I don't you know like I have to Google it I'm like oh this is my little pony question and I'll be like ah uh, I don't really don't really follow it and they're like broken and they're like oh no he's not a real brony not, not a real have one of us in the way you're not a real you're not a real brony you're you're we thought we have one of us in the White House finally um, but no I, I uh, so I, I haven't followed it so if continuation of, 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 of dedication to it is a requirement to be a brony, then I am in fact not a brony. But if, if being, if having at one point altered your life uh, in a way that I guess is, is now permanent uh, on behalf, as, as a result of watching one My Little Pony movie, then makes you a brony, then I, then I, then I am in fact the, the first brony. Yeah, once a brony, always a brony. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's what I'm. Life. That's what I. Yeah, for good or for good or bad, right, right, right. So, <laughs> original Brony, I just I'm a last Brony. I'm a last, the most legal cream cheese Christmas and Easter Brony. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy Sean said since Spike was a dragon, he said maybe you'd be more like a bragging instead of a Brony. So, if you need a, if you need oh. to church it up a bit, there you go. <laughs> You know what? Because Spike was really the thing for me, right? Like it was the ponies. I was the ponies weren't doing it for me. But the, the dragon, who was essentially a, a, you know, undo everything that had happened in the entire movie up until that point, in a matter of moments, uh, that uh, you know, I basically saved the day uh, out of nowhere, uh, sort of like a John Cena type of thing. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess that would be more of a dragon person but it was part of the, the my little pony universe so i i i am willing to uh and you don't see a lot of politicians doing this i i am willing to to do the brave thing and say that even though it, uh, it really had little to do with the ponies themselves uh, i will take the man because it is part of the greater my little pony universe all right there we go That's we can respect that you politician the hell out of that answer <laughs> <laughs> Should we go ahead and speaking of politician? Should we go ahead and start getting into some of the uh, some of the, the issues? I guess. What do you think? Yeah, because we sure. we have limited time. Yeah. All right. We need to get through these and get the important shit in there. <laughs> you go first. We got the jokes out of the way. Oh, me go first. Yeah. Son of a bitch! You said it like you were going to start. It. <laughs> All right. 
So Andrew Yang, when he, he just was wanted running, to know if we were getting, he, he just wanted to know if we were going to get started, and if we were, then it was your turn. Yeah, I guess because I threw him <laughs> under the bus with the Brony thing. He was like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Andrew Yang, when he was running for, uh, you know, the Democratic Party, he was mm-hmm. big on UBI, and he had even mentioned multiple right. times that UBI was a a libertarian kind of concept, and a lot of libertarians agreed with him on that. Um, I yeah. just wanted to get your take on UBI and I guess maybe even Andrew Yang overall and what he was doing. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, it's a, it's somewhat of a stretch that UBI is a libertarian concept, but, uh, there are many libertarians who supported it. Uh, and, uh, someone who is often cited uh, on economics by libertarians, Milton Friedman proposed something similar to UBI called the negative income tax. Um, so, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it was a libertarian concept, but it certainly has a lot of libertarian supporters. And what Andrew Yang gets and what UBI recognizes is that our entire system is a mess right now, the way that, that economics is handled. Um, we live under something called modern monetary theory, which is the idea that the government, and, and I mean, it's a very complex idea, but I'm, I'm breaking, I'm, I'm, I'm really you know breaking it down very, very simple terms, that basically the government can print out endless reams of money and uh, and use it to prop up uh, the economy and that it is held together its value still is retained by the fact that because it is the official currency of that government and because they to use it to pay their taxes and because everything is paid on an official level in the banks and so forth uh, with that currency that you can just sort of like monopoly you can continue just printing new money uh, and it continues to retain its value without anyone shrugging their shoulders and saying, I think this money's worthless because the government's just printing out endless money. And so the idea is that we are actually living in mon- uh, MMT in modern mon- monetary theory. But what, the way that we use it is, uh, or the way that our government uses it is largely it prints out that money uh, and then hands it to mega billion dollar companies. It hands it, it, it hands trillions of dollars of it out in the form of corporate welfare to major corporations. And we, and we just saw a, a perfect example of that. We've seen that during the so-called CARES Act, the, uh, the, the stimulus act that happened uh, as a result of the lockdowns because of the COVID-19. Uh, they said was they, they spent between the Federal Reserve uh, uh, quantitative easing and the, and the, the, the Congress and, and President Trump uh, sending out money through, in one way or another through the federal government uh, they spent something around six or seven trillion dollars. They spent the equivalent of seventeen dollars per American, not per American household or per American taxpayer or per American adult. Every single American, including children, uh, they spent somewhere around seventeen thousand bucks, and we got twelve hundred bucks of that if we were adults, or five hundred bucks of that if we were children and the rest of it was given to banks and wall street and hotel companies and airports uh, and, uh, and airlines and, uh, and, and, and other major corporations. It was given out, it was doled out, you know, to the, to the trillions of dollars to all of them. Uh, and we got stuck with that bill because all of that money then had to be, uh, uh, basically borrowed by the, the Department of Treasury in the form of, of treasury bonds. Those are 40-year bonds with interest. So we now, us and our children and their children and even their children are going to have to pay off all of those debts with interest. 
And so what Andrew Yang and his plan with UBI, what he recognizes that this system is a total mess, that it is a constant wealth redistribution away from those uh, Americans who have the, often have the least and giving more and more of their wealth to the most powerful among us, a relative handful of people who own uh, most of the property in this, most of the wealth in this country. We talk a lot about the 1%. Uh, it's it's really much more like the point zero five percent who run this yeah. country, who are who are multi multimillionaires and billionaires, and who use their power and wealth uh, to buy and pay for politicians to go into office and to use that power of government to enrich them uh, at our expense. What UBI proposed all of that and simply handing everyone a check every single month uh, and uh, you know thousand dollars. Bernie Sanders proposed $2,000, and, and in a minute we'll go back to how quickly that we went from 1000 to 2000 and, and what that pretends uh, for UBI. But you know, he proposed 1000 bucks, and the idea that not only would this, and not only would we end the system of, of corporate welfare uh, and, and the money giving, and you know, the government giving money really to any anything else, but giving people uh, that money every month, uh, but it would also end uh, welfare programs uh, and simply uh, give people $1,000 a month. It would end people having to jump through hoops to prove that they needed money and find the cost of giving it out. Because now instead of having to have these departments of social services and all of that, you simply would just get $1,000 a month. And, and again, Bernie proposed 2000 a month. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the problem with UBI and why it, why it ultimately will lead to, would lead to a disaster. If everyone's getting $1,000 a month, before we even get into the inflationary effects that, that come from the Federal Reserve, if everyone's getting $1,000 a month, everyone that's providing goods and services knows that everyone's getting $1,000 a month. And as a result, the price of goods and services goes up. And we've seen this time and time again with other UBI models in other countries. The, the UBI comes into place, the price of, of uh, cost of living goes up directly as a result of it. And people end up with largely the same amount of money they had before they, in terms of purchasing power, uh, that they had before they, they had the thousand bucks a month. Well, as a result, they now have to raise it to 1200 bucks a month or 1500 bucks a month, or as Bernie already proposed, $2,000 a month. Would you say uh, that's so a similar that problem to the, the minimum wage? With that, it's, it's a similar problem to the minimum yeah. wage, uh, but, the, but the difference is the minimum wage effects are offset by the fact that all people lose their jobs as a result of minimum wage increases, which causes the cost of living increases not to go up as much. So even though it's, yeah. ter- it's terrible for the people that lose their jobs as a result of that, it doesn't lead to as rapid an increase in the cost of living. Whereas with this, no one's losing their jobs. It's just the cost of living going up across the board. Uh, the other thing that happens is that when you have a government that is spending four and six and eventually more and more trillion dollars a year, that it is just printing out through the Federal Reserve and inflating the monetary supply with all this extra money, it reduces the value of that money. So it reduces the value of that currency. If, if the if the monetary supply goes from let's say fifty million to or fifty trillion to sixty trillion. The value is still there. It's just spread out among more money, which means that your money is worth less that you have in your in your, your Federal Reserve notes that you have in your wallet and in your bank account and that you use every day to buy and, and, and rent the things that you need to get by. Uh, it goes, the value of it goes down, which means the cost of living goes up. That's why prior to the Federal Reserve, the cost of living went up and down 
according to how the overall economy was doing. If the economy was going up, the cost of living went up somewhat. If the, the economy went down sharply, the cost of living would go down. And usually, just as a, 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 a function of market forces, the cost of living went up less than the uh, than just the general increase in the average you know wage and, and income and wealth that the average American had. Uh, when the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, two things happened immediately afterwards. One, we went to war in 19 19- and have largely stayed at war ever since, which was not the case before that. Uh, and two, the cost of living now gen- uh, uh, consistently goes up by anywhere from 1% or 2% to as high as 10%. Every single, even if we are in the depths of a recession or the depths of a, or the heights of, a, of an economic boom, uh, we actually have black cycles that can be predicted exactly on the amount of, of Federal Reserve notes being printed out, uh, and it has created a monopoly money economy. And what UBI would do is make it into a monopoly money economy uh, on steroids. $1,000 would become $2,000, would become $5,000, would become $10,000. And before you know it, we would modern monetary theory would be proven false because at some point we would become like Venezuela and Zimbabwe and Greece and other countries whose uh, currencies eventually became worthless because of hyperinflation where people didn't want to use it. Uh, where where it, it was simply un you know, it had zero any zero actual real value because they knew that it was just being ever printed out in in higher and higher exponentially higher rates. Um, so it would be a disastrous system. Now, with that said, Andrew Yang gets something is wrong. He gets that our system has a inherent problem where the federal government is directing the Federal Reserve to print out endless reams of money that it uses to subjugate us and harm people overseas with our endless wars here with the war on drugs and everything else and funnel money to their big cat crony billionaires who paid bought and paid for them to be in office. And that it's at the expense of literally every other person on earth, including all of us. Our answer is what we call sound money and free market banking. Instead of having your currency controlled by an organization that has a vested interest in making it lose value over time so that it can continue spending more and more money at your direct expense uh, and keeping you in a situation of being desperate and anxious and watching the cost of living going up so that they can, so that we have to be reliant on them and dependent on them. Instead, we end the Federal Reserve, we get the government out of the business of issuing currency, and we put the power of issuing currency in the hands of the market where competing providers will compete to provide you with the most sound currency. Now they have a vested interest, the people that are, are making the currency have a vested interest not in it losing value and in printing out endless reams of it because they know that they're, they're the only game in town and you have to use them. But now, because there's competition, they will have a vested interest in your currency actually gaining value over time. Because now they know that you have different people, uh, different com- uh, providers that they can that you could choose from, and they get a piece of it every time you use their currency, similar to how credit cards work. And and it would actually it would, it would gain value over time. So imagine if the cost of living actually went down slowly over time uh, instead of going up. And imagine if the government, uh, if it wanted to have a new war or create a new prison or create some new harmful program, it would have to actually convince the American people that they had to pay more in taxes directly to fund that instead of printing out endless uh, Federal Reserve notes to pay for it. So that is the plan. That is, that is 
libertarians propose. Not only does it fix our problem with, uh, with, with wealth redistribution, not only does it fix our problem with uh, the, the widening income inequality, not only does it fix the problem with the uh, cost of living increases, but it also fixes the problem of the government endlessly spending money and indebting us and our children and their children and their children as a result. Okay, well, yeah. We went deep on that. <laughs> I just learned a whole shitload right there. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a tough one to, it's not really one that, I mean, I have a two-minute version of that or, you know, a 30-second version of that, but the thing is, UBI is a, is a tough one to break through because there's so many different aspects to it. Um, but, and, and, and I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't, you know, Locking you off to some, you know, like, well, you know, oh, we believe in free market principles. It's, yeah. <laughs> if someone doesn't know what that means, then it doesn't help them. Well, that's what these long form podcasts are for, man. So we can break these things down. Exactly. And actually, you know, because you're not going to a little 30 second, one minute, try to get a soundbite on, you know, Fox or CNN or something like that. It, you're not going to exactly. learn enough. Exactly. You know? So yeah. uh, the next question I got is, uh, if I remember correctly, you used to be um, a conservative, right? I was a neocon. I was like the worst kind of conservative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my next question was going to be from, from uh, your experience being conservative and now being libertarian. However, I know there's a little bit of crossover to a degree there, but anyways, mm-hmm. um, do you think in the past, you know, four years has Donald Trump on a policy policy level been a good representation of the Republican party and its values? He has been a good representation of the Republican party. Because the Republican Party is just the other wing of the Republican uh, Party complex that is run by the Republicans and Democrats. Has he been a consistent? Has he been a a, a good representation of conservative values? Uh, I conservative the answer, but I can tell you this: when I was a conservative, here's what I wanted: I wanted a small government that stayed within the confines of the Constitution. I wanted uh, less government spending. I wanted lower taxes. I wanted government to be completely outside of, uh, of deciding whether or not I could keep or bear arms. I wanted the government make a point of deciding what I could or could not put in my own body. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that was what I wanted from government. Uh, he didn't do that. He has spent more money in years than before him. Uh, he has run up more debt in four years than any president before him. Uh, he has introduced uh, executive orders ba- uh, banning certain types of gun accessories and has put his weight uh, support behind supporting red flag laws which uh, allow, empower uh, police departments to come to your home and disarm you without being accused of a crime. Um, he has, uh, I mean, he has, he has, on any major thing other than building about, I don't know, 80 miles or 100 and something miles of wall in the desert, <laughs> uh, he really hasn't done any of the things he said he would do. He said he would bring the troops home. And instead, there are somewhere around 10 or 15,000 more uh, troops overseas than there were when he came into office. It's not, it's not a dramatic increase, and he hasn't started the new major wars, but he's continued all the ones that were already on his plate and actually expanded some of them. And he has continued the disastrous genocide, the traitor. The, okay, in Yemen, and, and this is something that you, you may have, have not heard about, and you should, because it is arguably one of the worst things that the United States government has ever done. Uh, that's arguably one of the worst things it's ever done. It is arguably uh, the worst thing that it has done, at least in the, in the modern era. Uh, and in Yemen, what has happened is that in order to try to uh, harm the uh, political prospects of the Iranian government, the U.S. government is working with, started the uh, outline for it, started under the Bush 
competition. It started in earnest under the Obama administration, and it has continued under the Trump administration. The U.S. government has has basically been financing and arming the Saudi government and Al Qaeda. Remember that organization that we were told that you know we had to we had to invade countries mm-hmm. to stop. They are arming uh, and and paying the Saudi government and Al Qaeda to wage a war against civilian population against Yemen. It has resulted in over a quarter of a million dead civilians, including over 80,000 dead children. It continues to this day. School buses have been bombed by American bombs, uh, hospitals, uh, power plants, grocery stores, uh, uh, farms, uh, bridges, roads, train stations, things that we need every day to have a civilian infrastructure and live a a relative modern uh, quality of life have been completely and utterly decimated. Many of them are dying, not just from bombs, but from starvation because they can't get food. And this is being done every single day by this government under Donald Trump, continuing bad Republican foreign policy has resulted in hundreds of thousands of dead civilians, and that's just in one country. So no, when I was a conservative, if I had been told that this is what my government was doing, I would have said absolutely not. It did not reflect my values. Okay. Wow, yeah, that yeah, sounds never, like a lot of terrible shit right there. I've never heard of that one so <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah, and, and, well, and the media has a vested interest in not telling you. They don't hide it, per se, but they certainly don't make it the thing that they talk about. And the reason is because it has both parties' hands all over it. There's no way to blame it on one side or the other. And when they do reference it, they usually try to use it to gotcha some politician that they're trying to make look bad. But the reality is it's the entire government that is doing this. And it's part of a, a failed, and I said before, the neocon. This is the logical conclusion of the neoconservative foreign policy, the idea that the U.S. government should be using the, the full weight and power of the military to basically impose itself on the entire rest of the region. Uh, it is this idea that the, the U.S. government and the U.S. military uh, can essentially terrorize the entire world's population as it sees fit. And if anyone fights back, they're terrorists, and we should do everything to stop them unless we decide to use some of those terrorists in another region of the, uh, another part of the country or another region of the, of the world uh, where we are using them to do something else in our, in our cynical chess game. So, for example, where the U.S. government is arming al-Qaeda. So not only is this genocide, it's treason. So if you and I, if any of us on here decided that we wanted to uh, pay al-Qaeda to kill people in a foreign country, we would go to jail probably for the rest of our lives. And understandably so. We would be engaging in uh, in, in, in supporting terrorist organizations. And depending on exactly what that goal was, we'd possibly be uh, tried for treason and maybe even executed. And yet the U.S. government does this every single day without hiding it. And that is the logical conclusion of neoconservatism. It was these things happening uh, under Republicans and Democrats that made me no longer be a neoconservative uh, and then eventually no longer even be a conservative and recognize that the answer was to completely dismantle the systems that had been created by the Republicans and Democrats in their nearly 100, in their over 160 years of exclusive control of every lever of power in government uh, from the federal, state, and local level. Uh, for you know, however many generations it is over the last over 160 years, what they have created and bring it back. If we are to live in a constitutional republic, then our government needs to be limited within the confines of what that uh, constitution directly empowers it to do, and that's it. Because this attempt to make government into something more than that has led to exactly what the founders uh, warned us 
would happen. An out-of-control government that would rob us uh, of our property and our lives and our and our rights and our power at will and centralize that power into ever uh, ever increasing uh, an ever increasing government in size and scope and power uh, for the direct benefit of very very wealthy incredibly cynical sociopathic well-heeled politically connected billionaires who buy and pay for people to be in levels of power hell yeah uh, actually, I'm glad you kept going back and forth about how it's both parties that are kind of, you know, pieces of shit. <laughs> My words, yeah. not yours. <laughs> uh, no, pretty much. No, it's a good idea. That's a, that is an accurate description. I don't, I don't really swear, but yeah, that's, that would be an accurate description of what we have. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is a good segue. I used to, I do stand up comedy and I tried this joke one time. And it didn't do well. Some guy just kind of yelled at me, ooh, politics. But uh, <laughs> right, right, right. I was trying to rephrase, re, rebrand the whole I love you like a fat kid loves cake joke, which it's accurate, yeah. but it's dated. So I had a new one that was, I love you more than Republicans and Democrats love telling people that a vote for the third party is a vote for the other side. <laughs> and they booed that. No, they, they just sat there and stared at me, except the one guy. He goes, ooh, ooh politics. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like, all right, yeah, that, did, that didn't work. Let's move on. That phrase right. has always bugged me, though. I mean, it's because that, that just assumes that I would vote for the other person, which I'm not going to. Like, I don't exactly. see myself in any. Yeah, I don't see myself in any, any, you know, <clears throat> universe ever voting for Trump or Biden. <laughs> like either of those exactly. two. Exactly, and, and and that's the thing, right? Uh, you know, when when I when I people have come to me and say, you know, Spike, what should I say when I'm voting? For say yeah, but you're, you know that's a vote thrown away it's it's, it's actually a vote for for you know trump and i'll say well how, ask them why and when they say well because you're not voting for biden say i never planned to vote for biden biden's human garbage every bit as much as trump is and the party that he is under is human garbage just like the republican party is and i see no difference between them so i if i didn't vote for joe and spike if i didn't vote libertarian i wouldn't be voting for anyone or or maybe i'd vote for some other third party or you know right in or whatever i i would not be voting republican or democrat so how is my refusal to vote for your hot human garbage uh any any you know any loss to either one of you. That's not how math works. Uh, you know, uh, if, 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 if A gets 10 and B gets 10 uh, and C gets 11, but the, the, the 11 that voted for that, that went to C would not have gone to A and B and you remove all 11 of them, it's still 10 versus 10. Nothing was gained or lost as a result of those people not voting because they didn't have that third option. We aren't getting people who go, oh, you know what? Uh, you know, I was on the fence with the Republicans and Democrats. I guess maybe I'll go for you. We're getting an increasing number of people who are just like, they're terrible. And there's only one option we have. And in fact, many of the people who say that they're not yet ready to vote for us acknowledge that the Republicans and Democrats are terrible. There are very few people, uh, voters, who don't think the Republicans and Democrats are terrible. Been, you know, they've been told a very cynical, uh, uh, easily debunked lie that, you know, well, you have to vote for them because if you vote for a third party, you might get one of us. Well, okay, vote for you or else we'll get you. That sounds like a terrible, a terrible choice anyway. I'm going to get you either way. So I'm just- yeah, I love the meme. It was from, I think it was from the movie, like uh, Idiocracy or whatever. And they had the, yeah. the, the group of people yeah. sitting around. He's like, I'm going to vote for third parties. Like, dude, you can't. He's like, well, why? Because they won't win. But why? Because nobody will vote for them. 
but what if we vote for them? <laughs> they won't win. Why? Jesus. Yeah. And it just yeah, kept that same kind of mentality is what gives people to like begrudgingly vote for the other party, which that what, that shouldn't be the thing. Yeah. I mean, we should definitely have more than two yeah. options. Two shit options. Well, and, and, and the options, exactly. And, and and we would see this in any market, not just in politics. If the only, if you could only, I don't know, for some reason, I, I, I my inner fat kid, every time I go to chicken sandwiches, I don't know why, but if, if so I'll, I'll switch and say soda because those are healthier. If, oh, you, if you go with, if you only had two options of soda and they both really just look good, uh, but those were your only options. And there was enough of a pressure campaign that convinced people that if they wanted, you know, if they didn't want one of these terrible sodas uh, and, and, and yet another soda that they would get like that the other, you'd still get those other soda, those, those first two sodas and they'd be even worse. Uh, and everyone just kept drinking those sodas as a result. Those, uh, the, the people who made those sodas, uh, especially if they were by the same company, which is essentially what we're seeing with the Republicans and Democrats, they're, they're one part of the same, uh, Republican organization at this point, uh, they just keep making it cheaper and worse because they know that they still uh, had people using their soda, drinking their soda instead of someone else's. Well, that's what we have with politics now. Your options are going to keep getting worse. Terrible Republican politicians will continue until morale incre- improves. This is what we're going to continue getting. Uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, people said these are terrible, terrible options, but. This is the most important election of our lifetime. And if we don't vote for Hillary Clinton, we're going to get Donald Trump. Or if we don't vote for Donald Trump, we're going to get Hillary Clinton. Now what? Donald Trump came into office and covered like Hillary Clinton. Now uh, we have uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, who, if you didn't like, if you liked Hillary, Joe Biden. Uh, you know, here's someone who is a, a an architect, one of the architects behind every single bad policy that has come out of D.C., in the last nearly 60 years that he has been uh, in government, uh, a man who said that he didn't want to uh, allow for integration, racial integration to happen in America's communities because he didn't want his children to live in a racial jungle. A man who routinely worked with segregationists until that was no longer popular. And then he pretended he wasn't one anymore, uh, but <laughs> continued uh, pushing uh, segregationist policies like on drugs and, and redlining and the FHA and everything else. Uh, a man who has been a part and parcel an architect of every bad bit of things to, to come out of the government when he's not busy sniffing children and making them feel uncomfortable <laughs> on television. Uh, it, it, like this is this is a, a uniquely terrible human being. Yeah. And what are we told? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he sucks. He's but terrible. Not, he's not, but he's, he's, not you know, he's not all the way there. So at least we'll have a half dead person in office. So vote for Biden. Yeah. The other thing, yeah, maybe he'll just die, and 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 then for a president, we'll probably have Kamala Harris, who's one of the most brutal prosecutors we've had in recent memory, uh, who has result, who has put more black men uh, in prison at the state level than any living person, and who uh, is, in my mind, most well known for trying to have someone murdered uh, when she knew that he didn't commit the crime he was uh, accused of in a capital murder crime. Uh, she had evidence that she knew. Uh, would prove that the person she was prosecuting uh, was not guilty of of murder and uh, she was going for the death penalty and she continued that case even though she knew he didn't do it, even after a judge ordered her to release the evidence proving that the the defendant did not uh, commit that murder. Uh, she continued to do it. In my mind, that's attempted murder. I cannot wait to ask her about it at the debate stage if she is, in fact, the one who gets picked. Um, And so I guess, you know, the consolation prize is that, you know, 
uh, well, if Joe dies uh, or, or becomes unable to, to, to serve, then you know we'll get the worst prosecutor in recent memory to be our uh, to, to be our president. And and, and but, but 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 he's not Trump. Right. right. He's not. Yeah, at least he's not Trump. Right. Anybody but Trump. From the, from the Trump side. And, and then from the Trump side, uh, outside of his immediate cult of personality, who largely is remains loyal to him by not following the news or, or knowing what's happening because they, they really don't know that he's completely lied to them and failed them. Uh, ones who are rooted somewhat in reality uh, will recognize that he is not doing the things he said he would do, but he's not Biden. And, 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 <laughs> If we keep doing this, if we keep, because people will say, do you think that these are our worst options ever and that this is a critical moment? And I'll say, yeah, these are our worst options ever. And I'm not sure I'll call it a critical moment because if we go with one of these two, four years from now, we'll just get to even worse options and it will continue. It will only get worse and worse. This isn't some precipice moment. It's just going to keep getting worse. Uh, and so instead we have Joe Jordan. A brilliant self-made entrepreneur, a senior lecturer is able to break down complex ideas and show the American people how uh, how they how the Republicans and Democrats have failed them uh, on a case by case level uh, and basis, and how our common sense libertarian solutions are the way out of it. I believe when we get on that with Joe Biden and Donald Trump, two men who can really look the two of them, and two men who are emblematic and wrong with the Republican parties, uh, I think that we're going to win that one. I love that uh, Republicrat. That's my first yeah. time hearing. That's funny. I like that. Oh, that's your first time hearing it. Yeah, like four different times. No, I mean my first time. <laughs> I'm just fucking. <laughs> All right, uh, hey Spike, how are we looking on time? You good? Uh, that's a good question. That would depend on what time it is. Hold on. It's six fifty-two. Um, yeah, we can do a couple. We can do a few more minutes in the wrap. Okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Um, oh, All yeah. right. So. Over the years, I've known a few libertarians that are like, you know, at least vocal about it. Because I heard Joe Jorgensen say something that really resonated the other day. He's like, most people are more libertarian than they, they want to admit or realize, you know. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, most of my libertarian friends are, you know, pretty good people. But they don't seem like they, 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 just, they, just, they just seem like they can't be bothered to go out of their way to help anybody else. It's like, if it's not my immediate circle, my family, whatever, fuck them, I don't care. And that's kind of always bothered me. And most libertarians kind of that I've known personally, I don't, I don't want to generalize the whole crowd, but um, yeah, always seem like, you know, racism's not an issue. And they're like, it's not happening to me. It's probably not happening. Just all sorts of like deflection, uh, you know, ignore, ignorance to this uh, problem. So seeing you and Joe being very vocal about anti-racism and police brutality and yeah. qualified immunity was really a breath of fresh air when I started seeing all that from you guys. I'm like, holy shit. These people will get it. And I really like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Before this year, I'd never heard of qualified immunity. So if anybody else out there is stupid like I am, you want to break that down for them? <laughs> sure. Sure. Absolutely. First, I just want to say it's interesting that that's in your experience. Um, I, obviously, there are all sorts of people in, in, in the libertarian movement. My experience largely has been that libertarians are some of the most kind and, uh, and, and giving and loving people. Uh, it was actually in the libertarian movement that I first started learning about the things that, that made me more aware of things that were happening immediately outside of my, uh, you know, my immediate orbit. What originally brought me to, um, brought me to libertarianism was what I entrepreneurial identity politics. I was here as a small business owner who wanted to make money, get the government out of my way so I could make more money and, you know, provide more value to my customers which is, that's a valid thing. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But that was my real concern. I, I, I was concerned about ending the wars. I was concerned about 
you know, about ending the war on drugs. But, but I, I was more concerned about those things from a standpoint of they were a violation of my rights, more so than the harm that they were doing to people on a daily basis. And once I was in the libertarian movement and started speaking more and more with libertarians and reading more libertarian literature, it was when I realized that, wow, this is about so much more than just my immediate concerns about, you know, my business or my wealth or whatever. It was about setting the world free. It was about removing these bad, oppressive, and infringing policies, these centrally planned ideas from a, a, a centrally planned uh, economy and a centrally planned system and, and switching to uh, the, the dynamic and, and, and far less harmful and abusive and inequitable uh, nature of things that come out of the dynamic uh, uh, nature uh, of human action in a, in a market and a people set free. It was actually within the libertarian movement that I, that I, I discovered that you know, there was such a, so much more of a beautiful thing that we were trying to do here than just, you know, getting the government out of my wallet or whatever. That, that's a, a part of it. But it was also about getting the government out of our lives and getting the government out of the lives of the most marginalized among us, people who are in prison right now for, for doing what Big Pharma does every day. But the difference is Big Pharma does it to make billions. They did it to support their families and often to feed their addictions. And they just needed some help. And instead, they were thrown in a cage and their life's been ruined forever. Uh, and, and so, you know, that became what my, what my clarion call was, uh, going to your question about, uh, qualified immunity. Uh, this is a really infuriating thing. Uh, and it is why we have, uh, police officers and other government officials who often feel as though they are above the law. It's because they are. So qualified immunity in the 1950s and 60s, uh, there was a, a law called the Civil Rights Act of 1871. I'm, I'm going to have to dig a little into history here, so I'm sorry. Uh, I know this is a humorous podcast, so we can, uh, in post-edit, you can throw in some, like, uh, you know, um, I don't know, some, uh, some like, slide, slide, yeah, slide whistle noises and stuff. But uh, in, in, uh, in 1871, uh, there was a, a, an act called the Civil Rights Act of 1871. And basically what it said, among other things, was that if a police officer or other government official infringed on your rights or, or uh, you know, harmed you and uh, abused you in some way, uh, you could sue them. You could hold them legally, personally uh, responsible and liable. And you could also hold the, the whatever uh, department or agency they were serving uh, uh, liable as well. Uh, in the 1950s and 1960s, the Supreme Court, uh, the, the federal government had to figure out a way to allow Southern governments to uh, to brutalize and oppress uh, civil rights protesters. And so the Supreme Court came up with this absolutely absurd doctrine. Uh, they legislated from the bench, which is not what they're And they came up with this absurd doctrine called qualified immunity. And they strengthened this over time in, in subsequent uh, court decisions afterwards. Uh, but, but the, the bottom line started in the, uh, in the 1960s. Uh, and so basically what qualified immunity says is that uh, police officers and other government officials uh, cannot be held liable for infringing upon your rights. If that officer or official, the one being accused, determines that what they did was reasonable. Imagine if you could go to court and say, Your Honor, I know that I've been accused of murder, but I think what I did was perfectly reasonable. And the judge says, oh, okay, well, then I'll throw the charges out. That's qualified immunity. And I mean, it is literally that basic and it's super it vague. is that bad yeah. Yeah. Um, it is it is absolutely absurd so qualified immunity has created the reality that where we have a cop like chauvin the man who murdered george floyd Derek chauvin before he killed george floyd had 17 other complaints 17 other complaints including wrongful death cases he may have murdered other people we don't know he may have murdered other people and so when the minneapolis police department looked at Derek Chauvin, they made the same cost-benefit analysis that police departments around the country and government agencies around the country make when they see the bad apples in their bunch. They looked at Derek Chauvin and said, this guy sucks. 
He is terrible. What a bad cop. He may be murdering people. But if we try to get rid of him, it's going to cost us a fortune fighting the police unions. It is going to cost us an absolute fortune, and there's no guarantee we'll be able to get rid of him. And because of qualified immunity, it's not costing us anything to keep him on the police force. So we'll just have to keep him on. Eventually, he'll probably murder someone and be tried for murder, and then we'll finally be able to get rid of him. And that happens across the country. And it, what it does is it punishes good policing and it incentivizes bad policing, or at the very least protects bad policing. And so that's why we have Derek Chauvin and, and, and other officers who have, have just flat out committed murder on camera. And often uh, in the case of Derek Chauvin, he's being tried, but in the case of other officers, they aren't tried. They're held accountable. If you end qualified immunity, which is what uh, Libertarian Congressman Justin Amash is trying to do in Congress right now, and what Joe and I will absolutely do when she's in the White House, uh, when we end qualified immunity, it puts that all around. Now, police departments, knowing that they can be held liable for that kind of stuff, now not only would they get rid of a Derek Chauvin, but they brewed him out the first time he did something like that. Long before he went to committing murder and feeling bold and brave that he can do that kind of stuff, they'd be rooting out the cops. The, the bad cops and the bad government officials in all of the various agencies and departments, both at the federal and state and local levels across the country. And so with the police unions, because they could get sued too. Everyone involved knows that they could get sued if they, if they go you know, above and beyond what they're supposed to actually be doing and, and actually harm and infringe upon the rights of the people around them. Just like all of us would. Because here's the thing. You or me, any the three of us that are here right now and anyone that's listening to this, if we did these things, we could be held liable. Mm-hmm. What a crazy thought. And now we, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why we would do such a thing as we know that we would be held liable for it. Also, we're not hot. We're not garbage. We're not human garbage. But well, uh, let's not it's speak part too of why soon, we don't yeah. do it. We are, we are, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to there, but not murderous garbage, put it that way. I, I hope there anyway, this is a murder <laughs> podcast, but, uh, but so, you know, and so what happens now, those same police departments, their cost benefit analysis would be, we got to get rid of these people. And so that would incentivize good policing and punish bad policing. And it would heal that rift between the police and the public. Uh, and it would also, uh, it would also, especially among the most marginalized uh, among us who are, who are feeling the worst of that wrath from, from abusive police officers. Uh, so this is not about punishing police. It's about punishing bad police. We would also do things like end the war on drugs. We would end civil asset forfeiture, which is a program whereby the government, uh, it is a federal program that's, that's run by the state uh, with a, or, or, or it's run by the federal government, but it's, it's used by the state where the government will uh, take property from people before they've been uh, uh, convicted of a crime. You know, right at the time when you need it to pay for your defense. And they use your property stole from you to pay for your prosecution. And if by some miracle you're still found not guilty or the charges are dropped, you still have to go to court and pay some sue to get your stuff back that the courts just determined that should have never been taken from you in the first place. We would end that program. We would end no-knock raids, which resulted in the murder of Breonna Taylor. We would end... Uh, minimum mandatory sentencing, which which prevents judges from being able to come up with creative ways to uh, you know to, to punish people with using diversion programs and other things. Uh, I've spoken to uh, judges and, and and former judges who have said that, uh, and so is, and, and there people in our campaign have as well, who uh, that they were to divert some of the people that have 
gotten in front of them and been found guilty of different petty crimes. They would have loved to divert them into programs to help try to rehabilitate them. But instead, uh, they were required to throw them in prison because that's what the law says. We would end those mandatory minimum sentencing. Uh, we would end cash bail. Uh, cash bail punishes poor. It punishes poor people for being accused of a crime. Again, we are in a system that says that you are innocent until proven guilty. But if you are so poor that you afford the cash bail to be set free and you have to wait for trial, you're not able to feed your family. You're not able to feed yourself. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose everything. And you still are presumed innocent. Innocent person who has not been found guilty yet and who may not have committed the crime they've been accused of having their life destroyed already because they simply can't afford the cash bail. And so now uh, they often just plead guilty. They got to get out. Even if they didn't do it, they just plead guilty because they have to get out. And now they have a felony. Now they have a criminal record and their life is that much harder, even if they possibly didn't even do the thing they were accused of. We know, thankfully, we know that cities that have, uh, that have gotten rid of cash bail and have just released people who are not deemed uh, a threat to the public uh, or to the person who has accused them, uh, that they just release them on their own recognizance. Those cities have not seen any increase in people not coming to trial. People are still coming to trial because they don't want to bench warrant against them. The cash bail system was set up to enrich government and cat and bail and direct expense of the poorest among us. We would end that as well. There are so many things that would end at the criminal justice level that will set America free from an increasingly predatory system of law enforcement and justice in this country, uh, and uh, and especially those who are the most marginalized among us. All right, man. Um... Well, there's so much more to talk about, but I've, yeah, um, we're we, probably out of time. <laughs> we do got one more segment we'd like to throw at you real quick. It's real quick called uh, we're going to rapid fire yeah. off. It's called Vito Renito. We're going to we're going to rapid fire off a few policies. Vito Vito or Nito. Yeah, yeah Vito or Nito. <laughs> we're going to rapid yeah. fire okay, off okay, a few okay, policies. Okay. Kanem's going to give you some first and I'm going to give you some fan uh some fan submitted policies, and we just want you to veto. Okay, cool, them. cool, cool. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I First like one: Can you please make carpeted bathrooms illegal? Oh man, uh, Nito and Nito, and I, even as a libertarian, <laughs> I think that you should be able. I, I, I should say this, you know. I, I think, although I, it, it, it depends on what the punishment would be, because I think carpeted bathrooms are a victimless crime. <laughs> I gotta live with it, man. My landlord won't change it. <laughs> I got one right now. I'll say, I'll say, yeah, I'll say Nito to that. I'll say Nito to that. All right. Okay. All right. This one, I know you're going to veto, but I got to get it out anyway, because I I like, I would hope to think that you would Nito it as a truck driver. Can you please allow me to run one bad driver off the road a month with no consequence? (laughs) I have to veto it, but I understand. (laughs) I know you do because they said you lived in South Carolina and y'all can't drive. <laughs> oh, oh no! Listen, I live, no, no, I'm going to veto the statement because I live in Myrtle Beach and I've watched people come from all over the all over the planet to demonstrate just how terrible of a driver they are. Uh, oh, it is not our. We, we aren't bad drivers. We have high traffic to, uh, fatality rates because of, of of people that come from other other states and countries. So, um, so I have to veto that statement as well. But yes, I definitely understand <laughs> uh, the sentiment behind the the, the truck driver uh, run people off the road policy. But I do have to veto it. I apologize. All right, I'll live. All right, Scott, hit him with the fan stuff. All right, I'm going to let you get a couple in after mine as well. No, I'm done. Oh, you're done? That's all of them? Go for it. All right, so Josh Wilkinson said he wants all guns confiscated to be melted down and reforged into melee weapons. We settle shit like men. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, so this actually speaks to a greater policy that uh, Vermin Supreme proposed where he would take everyone's guns and give them better ones. So if in doing so, they also... Uh, if they also melted down uh, the old guns into melee wel- weapons, I think that would actually fit within his policy. So I'll, I'll, I'll need that one. Hell yeah. All right, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this next one has a little bit of a backstory that I'm not going to go into, but uh, Jeremy Atkinson said, warning labels on box cutters so people don't use them as back scratchers. <laughs> I mean, I, hey. My I guess Nito is that is that if, if that's a widespread problem, I think we need to add <laughs> fruit. Well, guess. Scott's back is very wide, so there we go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that was that was the backstory. Okay, and then one more from me. We got that was uh, the entire backstory behind that. Oh wow! That's oh no, I scratched the- my back with a back scratcher, and it was stupid. All right. Oh dear God. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's the caliber of people you're dealing with right now, Mr. Cohen. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, got, nice. I guess I have to take back my garbage yeah. human thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I got one more from uh, Justin Daniel said, everyone gets a domesticated raccoon. They all have little hats. Nito. 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 Yeah. All right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Nito. Without, without, no, we all need, definitely need that. <sighs> what kind of hats? Top hats? Are we going top hat? As long as they're little, I, I leave it up to the American people to decide that. I yeah. for the American people today to right. decide what we can't tell tiny hat they want yeah. on their, their domesticated raccoon. Get the government out of hat decisions, man. <laughs> get, the, get big government out of my raccoon hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've All been right. great, well, man. Yeah. Uh, do you got anything you want to plug real quick before we let you go? Well, I am running a campaign for vice president, so I think oh, I've wow. already mentioned that. Um, I am running with Joe Jorgensen to set America free in our time. Uh, if you want to find out more about our uh, actual policies, uh, which we will, I'll, I'm going to try to add the raccoon thing before you see it. But uh, okay. if you go to joe20.com, that's J-O-2-0.com to find out more about our policies, uh, how you can help uh, our campaign. Uh, and if you're able to make a donation, we greatly appreciate it. We can You can do that there as well. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, uh, I am uh, Spike Cohen. Uh, S-P-I-K-E-C-O-H-E-N, uh, all over the internet, uh, pretty much on every, uh, on every, uh, social media platform, including TikTok for the kids. Uh, and, uh, I'm on everything else as well. And, uh, I really appreciated your time today. Thanks guys for having oh, me on. I appreciate yours, man. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, one thing real quick. Normally sure. I have guests in the episode by naming the episode for us. So if you can come up with a name for this episode on the spot, we will name it that when I upload it. Uh, our interview with the next vice president, Jew Chain. <laughs>